Hola amigos, esto es Siri 5, episodio número 1 del The Deep End y he regresado de Perú. The world is getting weirder and weirder. Turn on the news and it seems like something crazier happened today than yesterday. Tim Hatch is a pastor, an author, and a teacher and has been in ministry for over two decades teaching God's people how to interpret culture, news, and politics through the lens of scripture and helping you understand how to live as a Christian in today's world. This is The Deep End. Yes, it is The Deep End, and we are back. This is officially the return of The Deep End. I would like to apologize to all of my Latin American friends out there. That's as bad as Spanish as you're ever going to hear, <laughs> and that's as far as it can go. But welcome to Season 5, Episode 1 of The Deep End. Uh, the United States has just lost its longest war and uh, this matters for us in big in 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 a big way we've got to talk about it also we're going to get into some stuff about your health and some hypocrisy that's really got me stirred up and i'm excited that you're here uh it's your favorite night of the week right um deep end news is on the way and uh, i just want to make sure that you do this for me though subscribe at youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. So make sure you do that and let's get into Deep End News, shall we? Deep End News. News and views that don't make us news. Okay, so welcome to uh, another season and welcome to another season of Deep End News. News and views that don't make you snooze. That's a new tagline to the news segment. The news is crazy. The news is big. It's We're going to talk about global things in just a moment like what happened with afghanistan and we're going to talk about the bible by the way a new feature of deep end season five is bible cam watch this there it is it's a paper bible right here to my left and we can actually turn the pages like old school so we're going a little bit old school on the deep end but the reason for that is because that's also going to be part of our deep dive tomorrow night and when we go to the bible it'd be nice to actually look at it on a page i'm encouraging my church to bring paper bibles back to church remember that remember before the days of the iphone and the ipad we used to have paper bibles i think that's there's still a lot of value to them anyway it's deep end news and that's the news about the studio we've done a little bit of changes behind me if you can see uh i've got my hats from peru hanging on the wall behind me i didn't buy one i didn't buy two i bought three hats from peru i also got this cup holder here that's holding a deep end tumbler if you can see it right there and then i got some other things to share uh tomorrow that i received in peru and you're not going to want to miss uh the first episode of the deep dive in season five so anyway back to the news one last time let's get into uh something a new segment it's called obvious news so 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 obvious obvious news eating junk food will kill you that's what's obvious from outkicksports.com uh this article reads study one hot dog shaves 35 minutes off life chicken wings cut 3.3 minutes off your lifespan now that's bad news, but it's also obvious news. The, the, the basic fact is eating crap food leads to a crap life. Anyway, this came out of a study from the University of Michigan, and I'll put it back up here. Small changes in diet could help you live healthier, and it's more sustainable uh, for the environment. And I want to make sure that we stipulate something. We are, as Christians, pro-health 
and pro-environment. It is not the Christian stand to say, forget the environment, it's all going to burn up. No, 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 no. We care for God's earth because he loves everything that he has made, the Bible says. And that includes our bodies, right? So our bodies are part of the environment and we want to care for our bodies. You know, if you if you have one of those beliefs that because the earth is going to burn up one day under the judgment of God, we shouldn't care about it. Well, your body is going to deteriorate and go into the grave someday. So does that mean you shouldn't care about that? No, you should care about both. Because even though there's going to be like this redemptive, you know, burning fire, this purifying fire over the world and over the universe, it doesn't mean that we get to disparage it or degrade it. Anyway, back to the study from the University of Michigan. It shows that eating one hot dog can shave 36 minutes off your life. This is actually from the article. While eating a serving of nuts could add 26 minutes to your life, and one 85-gram serving of chicken wings will cost you 3.5 minutes of lost life. In other words, if you eat healthy, you'll live longer, and if you eat poorly, you'll die sooner. <laughs> Duh, it's so obvious. Why do I bring this up? What does this have to do with the deep end and our current cultural moment? Well, because for the last, what, year and a half, we were demanded by our government leaders to lock down, stay in our homes. Then we were demanded to wear masks. And now we are demanded to get a novel vaccine for a virus with a 99.75% success survival rate. My question is simply this. Why aren't we banning Nathan, Nathan's hot dog eating contest? <laughs> this is still a thing. Uh, if hot dogs are so deadly... Might I suggest just as deadly, although far slower in seeing the actual results as the coronavirus. If hot dogs are so deadly, why don't our political leaders see fit to control things like this guy pounding, what, 176 hot dogs in 10 minutes? <laughs> you see, my point is that our politicians love to pick and choose how they're going to control us. And I want to get back to something that I've talked about on the 10 questions segment of this channel. And I also want to keep pounding this drum on the deep end. Your health is in your hands. Yes, it's a simple fact, friends. Your health is in your hands. Now, I've shared this on this YouTube channel before, by the way, Tim Hatch Live. Uh, if you're not yet there, get there youtube.com slash Tim Hatchlife. But, but I've, I've shared this before. Your, your health is in your hands. And what I mean by that is take responsibility for your body so that the government doesn't have to be responsible for you because you don't want to trust a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. when you might be 1,200 miles away from them on how to handle your body. Your health is in your hands. I shared with you the last time we were together on YouTube uh, live that my son cut his hand, went to the emergency room. And as we were sitting in the emergency room for five hours for him to be seen and then eventually get seven stitches, uh, there was a little COVID ward that was kind of tented off in the emergency rooms, kind of like, you know, half curtained off, if you will. They went up about six feet and there was a little opening, walked past it, looked into the COVID waiting room ward and all the people in the waiting room for COVID were obese. They were out of shape. They were not taking care of their body. Your health is in your hands. Take care of your body so that the government doesn't have to take care of you. Guys, you only get one body, right? You only get one body. Stop eating crap. Stop watching garbage TV and pornography all the time. Stop binging Netflix 
and pounding chicken wings late into the evening. How about this? Get out and play. Go for a walk. Get a dog and go for a walk. I do that. I walk my dogs twice a day. Do I always enjoy it? No, but they demand that I walk them because they're dogs and they love to walk. So we go not once, but twice a day. And I walk two, hour, two miles a day because of my dogs. Go for a run. Instead of buying a PlayStation, buy a bike. The time is short, friends. You only get one of these. Like you, you can only put one of these fabulous deep end shirts available right now online at Tim Hatch Live. Buy now. Dot com. You only get one body to put one of these fabulous t-shirts on. Take care of it. It's so important so that you do better with life. We're going to get into a new segment that I like to call the deep end commentary. I want to talk to you about something today. It's called the Biden effect. Joe Biden has the capacity to run the world's most powerful country the same way a 78-year-old man has the capacity to mow his own lawn. As in, not very well. The Biden effect is the fact that America's decline is pretty evident now. There's no doubt that the results of our last national election have bolstered the Chinese government to continue their ascendancy and ascendancy, sorry, on the world stage. Now, with the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal, it would seem that our country has taken another step back and China has taken another step forward into world dominance. Friends, I don't share this news lightly. There's a reason why they call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires. The reason why is because this small little nation in the middle of the Middle East, no one has ever been able to rule. I want to put it on the screen. That is Afghanistan. It's in the middle of Iran, Turkmenistan, Pakistan, Russia. Small, small little nation. And did you know that Afghanistan has been the target of control by world-dominating powers for as long as history can record? And it has never gone well for those who tried to rule them. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this is not Fox News or CNN. I'm not going to take a political or news only uh, line in my discussion. We're going to get to the Bible in just a moment. But I want to talk to you and give you some frame of reference so that you understand how to interpret the times. That's what this channel is about. So no country has been able to occupy or control Afghanistan. The Persians could not occupy them. Uh, the Greeks could not occupy them. And writing about the Persians, Greek historian uh, Herodotus wrote, the Arabians were never subject to the slaves, to, uh, as slaves to the Persians. So the Greeks couldn't control them. The Persians couldn't control them. The Romans tried. Even the great military general Pompey could not overcome the Arabians in the Afghanistan area. The Mongols tried in the 1200s. The grandson of Genghis Khan actually was killed trying to control this area of the world. 
Great Britain tried in the 1800s, and for 60 years they occupied this nation to no avail. They eventually withdrew in shame and humiliation. Enter the Russians in the 1900s. In the midst of the Cold War, they tried to occupy Afghanistan. And then thanks to Ronald Reagan Oliver North, right, in the 1980s, it was America's turn to try and occupy and coerce and control this tiny little nation in the middle of the Middle East. Now, look at that list on the screen. Do you see anything similar with those nations that came before America? They all had rapid declines after they tried to control the Afghanistan area, didn't they? They all suddenly left the world stage as a dominating power. Now America, after 20 years, America's longest war, was fought in Afghanistan, trying to control, trying to change them into what we are, which was a fool's errand in the first place. This has been tried before, and it has been failed before. And George W. Bush said we wouldn't fail in the same way as previous countries. And guess what? We just did. It's not ironic that in 2001, our country was attacked by Al-Qaeda, who was largely sheltered in Afghanistan. At that time, our country and President George W. Bush swiftly responded in league with Great Britain in an operation called Enduring Freedom to retaliate and wipe out Al-Qaeda and the Taliban from any rule over Afghanistan. By the way, in his book, The Looming Tower, Al-Qaeda and the Road to 9-11, Lawrence Wright writes this about why Al-Qaeda so quickly turned on the U.S. who helped Al-Qaeda defeat the Soviets in the 1980s. Here's why. Why did these men turn against America? Lawrence writes, a highly religious country that has so recently been an ally in Afghanistan, in large part, it was because they saw America as the locus of Christian power, viewed through the eyes of men who were spiritually anchored in the 7th century. Christianity was not just a rival, it was an arch enemy. To them, the Crusades were a continued historical process that would never be resolved until the final victory of Islam. Yet Bin Laden and his Arab Afghans believed that in Afghanistan they had turned the tide and that Islam was on the march again. This is Lawrence Wright writing in The Looming Tower, a best-selling Pulitzer Prize-winning book. America responded to Al-Qaeda's attack. We began a quest in 2001 to try to do two things. On the political front, our leaders tried to inject democracy into a land that would ultimately reject it no matter who tried to force it on them. On the spiritual front, America did the exact opposite of what Al-Qaeda feared we were, too Christian. So since 2001, it has been no secret that we have become far less Christian. The number percentage of practicing Christians has plummeted. The percentage of going to church amongst American citizens has plummeted. Millennials and Gen Zers make up the least spiritually or Christian generation in a hundred years in this country. In some kind of odd way, America is acquiescing its spiritual vitality out of fear to the Afghanistan people, the Al-Qaeda people, the Taliban. It's amazing now that after all that happened, we're so afraid of everything. <laughs> a month ago in Florida, there was a hurricane coming and everybody shut down and sheltered in place like the end of the world was coming. It turned out to be a slight rainstorm. Just this past week in New England, another hurricane, Henry, threatened to devastate the entire landscape. It was a dud, another subtle rainstorm. 
But yet we freak out, don't we? We wear our masks, we shelter in place, we stay six feet apart, because the less faith we have as a country, the more fear we have as a people. It's kind of ironic that at the same time this war comes to a tragic end for America, we are at the same time far less Christian than ever before, something that Al-Qaeda attacked us over, and far more afraid than ever before. But I bring you back to the facts about enduring freedom. Enduring freedom tried to set free or tried to retaliate first against the Al-Qaeda and did so pretty successfully until 2014. And then the plan, according to our national leaders, was to hand control of this newly formed democratic government over to the Afghanistan people. Obama actually left 5,500 troops in the country when he left office. And in February 2019, President Trump had the Taliban and the Afghanistan government sign a peace deal that the U.S. would withdraw from the country by May 2021 as long as there were no signs of aggression from the Taliban. Well, there was a sign of aggression from the Taliban. And in September 2019, Trump called off the peace talks after a soldier was killed by a Taliban attack. A U.S. soldier, that is. In January of 2021, Trump leaves office with 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Under the terms of the conditions, the troops were supposed to come completely out of the country by May 2021. But when Biden comes into office, and in a quest to be completely the opposite of everything Trump was, because he was labeled as a racist and a bigot and the worst possible human being and worst president we've ever had by all the commentators and talking guys on TV, Biden came in and undid everything Trump negotiated with the Taliban and the Afghan government. He kept troops in the, in the, in the country for four months longer with zero explanation then promised to remove American presence by 9-11. Who does that? 9-11 was the date of our, our demise. 9-11 was the date they attacked us. Why should, we, why should we honor that date for the people from which, the, for the country from which the people who attacked us on originated from? So for four extra months that originally negotiated american troops were on the ground and annoying of course the taliban leaders and in july biden was asked would the taliban take over is a taliban takeover of afghanistan now inevitable no it is not that's what he said in july but they did take over within days of americans leaving the Taliban were in charge in the country. The very government that took charge after Russia gave refuge to Al-Qaeda, who attacked us on 9-11, was almost instantaneously in power and Americans were flight lifted off the U.S. Embassy in a scene reminiscent of Saigon 1975. Yikes. We are in some ways living through the 1970s again. American morale is down. The woke mob has us hating our country. We're losing foreign entanglements overseas. And our president doesn't seem to have the capacity to lead. But back to the commentary, because this, again, is not about promoting a political ideology as much as it is driving you to the Bible, Bible cam, <laughs> and showing you what we really need to think about. 
Here's what I want you to think about. This tiny little nation, Afghanistan, this tiny little nation has been tried to be rule, has been the, the target of rule of every world power for the last 2,000 years, and every world power has failed. Why? Well, if we read our Bible closely, we would have known any attempt to wipe out this people, to control this people, to dominate this people, would have been a fool's errand. It's important that you understand the depth of the Biden effect. He is not equipped. The British government is livid. From the House of Lords, the British Parliament, Lord Blencathara, my lords, all my life, I have been pro-American and favorably disposed to the United States, but not anymore at this moment. What Biden has done in Afghanistan will go down in ignominy as one of the most shameful and despicable acts of betrayal by any American president. Biden has put America back, all right, back into the bunker. The lesson for China is this, play a long game and America will not have the stomach to stick it out. China is a threat to world peace, but how can we now trust the U.S. to lead the long battle against it? Biden may have condemned the world to Chinese domination in the future and the end of Western liberal de democracy. Yikes. You see, what's happened now is that Americans are starting to lose their confidence in their leadership. This from CBS News the percentage of Americans who believe that Biden is competent is now 49% as opposed to 56% in April. Effective, he's down to 47% as opposed to 55% in April. Now, what should we do as Christians? We should pray for him. We're supposed to pray for our leaders no matter what we believe about them or no matter what they do wrong. That's our job. Look, the Roman emperors who dominated the Christians and fed them to the lions and burned them alive on the stakes and put them on crosses, Peter tells us to honor them and to pray for them and to live humbly as God's servants under the auspices of their authority. It's not easy. But I think right now, more than ever before, American Christians have got to be praying for our president. He needs it. Back to the Bible. Where are we? in world history. Where is America in world history? Well, I hate to tell you, but I actually do think, and this shouldn't be a surprise to regular deep enders, we are on the downside. I mean, apart from a dramatic awakening of epic proportions for this country, and I mean spiritual awakening, soon another world power will arise to claim the top spot, and it's probably going to be China. Now, you might be saying, thanks, Tim. Why do I tune into this channel again? You've got me completely bummed. Okay, for those of you who are completely bummed, I got something special for you. It's called the Puppy Cam. So ladies and gentlemen, as always, the Bible has the answer for where we are. You see, the Arabs of today, according to the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, descended from, spiritually and perhaps physically, a guy by the name of Ishmael. Now, that name should ring a bell. Ishmael was the firstborn son, albeit illegitimate son, of a guy named Abraham. And the Arabs who claimed authority in the area of Afghanistan and the surrounding areas, and the Arabs of the 7th century Arabia claimed spiritual descent when they became Muslims to Abraham's son, Ishmael. And ever since then, nobody's been able to conquer them. Again, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Mongols, Great Britain, Russia, the U.S. It's an incredible reality that this small little band of, of Bedouins can resist the, 
greatest world powers on earth. Why? Here's where the Bible comes in. Because, and this is going to be hard to hear, but God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Let's get back to the Bible for a moment, and and this is important. Let's get to uh, Genesis chapter 16, the story of Ishmael being born to Hagar. Verse 4, and he went into Hagar, that's Abraham, went in means he had sex with her. Hagar is Sarah's servant. And she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarah, or Abram's at this point, Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. And look at this, verse seven, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. Now this is important. Notice what God says. I'm going to multiply your offspring. Wasn't it supposed to be Isaac? the son of promise that God was going to multiply? Yes, and he did multiply that offspring. The Jews are still here today. But guess who else is still here today? The results of that promise right there, the Afghanistan people, the Arabian people. Going on in the story, it says this, verse 11, and the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Now look at this next text. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. Look at this. This is incredible. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Now, skip a little further in Genesis 17, 20. God says, as for Ishmael, I have heard you, that is Abraham. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be a father of 12 princes. That number 12 is important. We will discuss in just a moment. And I will make him into a great nation. You see what God does for Ishmael? He blesses him. He promises to multiply him. Oh, and he says, I'm going to have 12 princes come from him. By the way, that promise was fulfilled. Ishmael did give birth to 12 princes who rule in many respects the Middle East, except for a little tract of land the size of New Jersey named Israel. So why is that 12 number important? Because everything God has established with the 12 is still around today. <laughs> this, is, this is incredibly important. Everything God has established with the 12 is still around today. What are, those, what are those things? There are three things God has established with the 12. Number one, Israel. Israel is still around today. 3,500 years in the works and the people of Isaac are still in many respects, largely in charge of the political, social, and educational centers of the global West. Jews are very influential and very prosperous. Why? Because God always keeps his promises. There's a second organization or body, if you will, on the earth with, that was started with 12 you're a part of it if you're a Christian. It's called the church. Jesus called how many disciples to be apostles? Twelve. There was twelve apostles in Acts chapter six. 
Many people make an argument that Paul actually replaces Judas, but Matthias legitimately does if you read Acts chapter 6 rightly. The church is still around, and the church is still largely influential, changing the world, changing countries. We'll talk about something dramatically changing in Peru tomorrow night. But the church is still around because everything God establishes with the 12 is still alive and well. But the third thing, the third body, if you will, that's around is the Arab nation, the 12 princes. The 12 princes, the 12 sons of Ishmael that God promised. Let's get back to that statement. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand shall be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kingsmen. You see what that means? That means that there's going to be no one who can control the sons of Ishmael. That's what a wild donkey is. By the way, that's not an insult. In the Middle East, the wild donkey, they call it the wild ass. The wild donkey is a clever animal. It inhabits desert regions. It lives on its own in many respects. And it's extremely hard to catch. Now, you think about the Arab people, you think about Afghanistan, I don't think anything could sum up their experience for the last 2,000 years better than the picture of the wild donkey. From this adulterous relationship of Abraham and Hagar, God still fulfills his promises. Now, let's go to the New Testament because this is important. This is really important. Paul will hearken back to this son of uh, Hagar and Abraham in his discussion of spiritual in in his discussion of our spiritual life this is in galatians chapter 4 verse 23 here's what he says the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through the promise now this may be interpreted allegorically these women are two covenants one is from mount sinai bearing children for slavery she is hagar then he says this now hagar is mount sinai in arabia verse 25 and she corresponds to jerusalem oh you know what Let's go to our Bible camp. So here, here's what he says. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present what? Jerusalem. This is important for you guys to see. She, Jerusalem, is in slavery with her children. What Paul says here is dramatic to a first century hearer in Galatians chapter 4. Jerusalem in Paul's day was the center of Judaism. It was also the center of moral righteousness. It was the belief that the more Jewish you were, circumcised, uh, faithful to the law, faithful to the festivals, faithful to the details like the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to be, the more committed you were to those things, the more holy you were, the more loved by God you were. Paul demolishes that argument. He demolishes that philosophy. He says, no, actually, you're in slavery to what? Slavery to works righteousness. You see, Abraham's attempt to produce an offspring through Hagar was his works righteousness. It was his moral performance to get God's blessing. So what do the Arabian people, what do the Afghanistan people represent for us? They represent, in many respects, a slave mentality. A spiritual darkness rooted in doing good works to be accepted by God, which is why the, the religion of Islam is perfect for them. It's all about what you do to get to God. Oh, and by the way, there's no guarantee, no matter how much you do in Islam, that you'll ever actually get to paradise. That is arbitrarily decided, decided for you by Allah, and it has nothing or little to do with how good you were. 
It's kind of ironic that the very foundation of their spiritual life reflects exactly what Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 4. I hope I'm not getting too deep for you, but what does this have to do with America? Well, America has long since turned its back on God. There was a time when the church was an honored institution and faith was an essential element to our educational system. Those days are far gone. We are, in many respects, spiritually where Jerusalem was in Paul's day. And it is no wonder that in 2001, the attacks of these people started to come to the domestic territory of this nation. Because in large part, we started to adopt their spirituality, good works, good personism, trying hard to be better. It's a sign. It's a spiritual sign. And our collapse and our devastation or our defeat, if you will, in Afghanistan is also a, is a geopolitical sign that spiritually speaking, our country needs a spiritual awakening. You say, Pastor Tim, I'm still depressed. Don't be depressed. I'll give you the, pu I'll give you the puppy video again. feel better here's what paul says to the church right after in galatians chapter 4 here's what he says stay with me now you brothers like isaac are children of promise but just at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so also it is now but what does the scripture say cast out the slave woman and her son for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman so brothers we are not children of the slave but of the free woman let me unpack this for you pastorally for a second. Hagar represents works righteousness. Be a good person, get to God. Ishmael, the Arab people, the Muslim faith represents works righteousness. Be a good person, get to God. That's not who we are. If you're a Christian, you are a son of the free woman. You are a son of promise. See, Isaac's birth to Sarah had to be miraculous. The girl was over, what, 90 years old? She had to have a miraculous birth. So too, to become a Christian is to experience a miraculous birth in yourself, the new birth, the birth of your spirit to God Almighty. And when you come to faith in Christ Jesus, when you come to faith in God through Christ Jesus, you are born again, not born into a do-better religion, but into a brand new person, faith. This is why Paul says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm there, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then later on in verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is what we're called to do to embrace our freedom. This is why it's so important, Christian, that you more and more disassociate yourself with Americanism. It's not on the right track. It's going in the wrong direction. The geopolitical signs are there. The spiritual signs are there. We've talked about the ad nauseum on this podcast. And you as a Christian need to remember you are not of this world. You belong to the family of God. So here's what we can do, because this is lost in all of the news speak on the 24-hour cable news channels. Here's what we can do. We can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters who are being targeted by the Taliban right now. By the way, back in the 1980s, the Taliban targeted Christians when they took over after the Russians left. They're doing it again after America left. 
This is from Frontier Alliance International. The headline reads, Afghanistan, official statement from leaders in the underground church. The Taliban has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. embassy is defunct and there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed and all flights to and from have been halted with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum. They're fully reliant on God, who is the only one who can and will protect them. It says this, The Taliban are going door to door taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so that the Taliban can take them. If they find a young girl and the house was not marked, they will execute the entire family. If a married woman 25 years or older has been found, the Taliban will probably kill her husband, do whatever they want to her, then sell her as a sex slave. This is what's happening in that country right now, and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan because we have many of them. By the way, up until January of 2021, the church in Afghanistan was the second fastest growing Christian church in any nation across the world, second only to, ironically, the country of Iran. Oh, and by the way, the Taliban can still have a Twitter account. Yes, Twitter is allowing Taliban-affiliated accounts on its website, while the former president of the United States cannot tweet. It's crazy time. So we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We can also pray for our leaders. Yes, pray for Joe Biden. He needs it. Here's why we pray, because the Bible tells us to. 1 Timothy 2.1, First of all, then I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We are at a time in American history that I have never seen before. Maybe somebody much older can correct me here. I'm willing to be corrected if so. But it would appear to me that the timeline is laid out. Our Afghanistan departure has kind of signaled the inevitable demise of America's global dominance. Just like it happened to the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Mongols, the Brits, and the Russians before us. Friends, if you're a Christian and this surprises you, do not let it. Turn to your Savior who saves you by his grace through faith. With that in mind, I encourage you to join me tomorrow night for our Deep Dive Bible study. Now, this show, The Deep Dive, on this channel is also on all of our other social media channels. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Hit that notification bell. Always get updated as to when we go live. God bless, guys. Thank you for watching this episode of The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. And let's be honest, you really enjoyed it. So click that subscribe button, click that like button, and also the notification bell so that you can always be aware of when we go live next. The Deep End is made possible by viewers like you, so consider giving today. I look forward to seeing you next time on The Deep End.